Hey everyone, this is Natalie Ivey, and in today's show, I'm going to discuss how to assess the seriousness of allegations when employees use buzzwords such as bullying and harassment when lodging complaints. You don't want to miss this one. Welcome to the HR Investigations Podcast, exploring the issues, challenges, strategies, and solutions. Sponsored by RPCHR and hosted by Natalie Ivey, an HR consultant, licensed PI, and author of the best-selling book, How to Conduct Internal Investigations, a Practical Guide for Human Resource Professionals. And now, here's Natalie. And thank you very much, everyone, for joining the HR Investigations podcast. So let's go ahead and get started with the topic for today's episode, Investigating Bullying Allegations. Bullying is a buzzword that's really being used an awful lot these days. Um, Employees will also use harassment, hostile work environment, and what happens is that they call the 800 number or your web portal or go in through the open door policy with the HR employee relations team. And immediately then investigators have to go into intake mode. Uh, You have to start taking notes and hopefully you're ready to go with the questions that need to be asked at that time. But before we get into the right questions to ask, let's really define a little bit more on what bullying actually is, because I can tell you lately, I've had some HR professionals in a few of my continuing ed classes talking about this, and there's a very distinct difference between bullying and also accountability, specifically when a supervisor is sitting an employee down to have a performance discussion. A lot of times at that juncture, that's when employees are going to not necessarily like that performance feedback, that criticism, if you will. And instead of absorbing it, processing it, and applying what a supervisor might be telling them, it just doesn't feel very good. It affects their self-esteem and immediately they react and get extremely defensive and then suddenly now want to lodge complaints. Some of those, yes, are somewhat frivolous types of cases. You still have to investigate them, um, but nevertheless, they do come up. And then there are those that are really substantiated and there really is true bullying behavior going on. And I'll give you an example of that here in just a moment. I worked a a case very recently uh, where we substantiated not only bullying, but also uh, sexual harassment together and led, by the way, to the uh, perpetrator uh, losing employment. So let's define bullying. And I'm going to give you a few excerpts here from one of my larger global clients and what they have in their bullying policy. So it reads, examples of bullying may include persistent or egregious use of abusive, insulting or offensive language directed at an employee, spreading misinformation or malicious rumors, behavior or language that frightens, humiliates, belittles or degrades, including criticism or feedback that's delivered with yelling, screaming threats or insults making inappropriate comments about a person's appearance, lifestyle, family, or culture, repeated inappropriate comments, or regularly teasing or making someone the brunt of pranks or practical jokes, uh, interfering with a person's personal property or work equipment, and circulating inappropriate or embarrassing photos or videos via email or social media. And lastly, purposefully excluding, isolating, or marginalizing a person from normal work activities. Right? That's pretty darn specific. Without having a robust policy like that, how does one actually define an employee's misconduct? Well, it could be that you have a code of conduct or a code of uh, business conduct and ethics, as it is in some organizations' uh, policy manuals. So it may be that if you don't have a very distinct bullying policy, it may be that the language, like I've just described, is embedded into your code of conduct. But this is where the trouble can start in bullying investigations, um, because if you really don't have that policy, 
then it gets a little murky um, regarding whether or not someone's conduct really is in violation. What happens is that you look at the harassment policy. Well, no, this person's uh, behavior, the perpetrator, who's the subject in a case, well, it didn't really cross the line with harassment. They didn't use any language such as anything that would be race or color or disability or pregnancy, any of the protected characteristics or religion. None of that may have been used. So that doesn't really implicate your harassment policy. And perhaps their behavior didn't get to the point of being violent. So your workplace violence policy isn't implicated. So what's left? As I said, a bullying policy is a standalone or hopefully some language and code of conduct. But if you've really got weakness there, that's going to be problematic for you. And you may have a lot of situations in which an employee really is being subjected to some pretty horrible behavior. And it might also be showing up in your turnover numbers. Uh, certainly, if employees are being subjected to the, the type of conduct that I just described in those numerous bullet points, sure, who in the world would want to work there? Again, there's a vast difference in what I just described, those bullet points in a bullying policy and a supervisor who is holding someone accountable. So let me go back to those bullet points. So behavior or language that frightens, humiliates, belittles or degrades, including criticism or feedback, that is delivered with yelling, screaming, threats or insults. You see, that's the important part. Sometimes what happens is employees will sort of cherry pick language that they like and sort of edit out the things that they don't like. So if an employee uh, is alleging that, OK, well, they were really criticized um, and it was humiliating when a supervisor pointed out something in a, a spreadsheet that contained errors in it. All right. They might use some of that language, but you've really got to dig in deeper to understand the context a little bit more, right? So again, humiliation is a, another word that could be uh, used a lot like harassment. And it's the the narrative that the complainant is, is really wanting to share. From their perspective, it's just the criticism or feedback didn't feel good. And so therefore they wanna turn it into, well, let me get even with my supervisor because I really can't stand the supervisor. And let me just tell you, I've been doing investigations for a long time, and I have been in HR and as a consultant for over 20 years, but I've been in HR for nearly 35. I'll tell you, I'm very concerned about some of the things that I'm actually seeing out here with employees weaponizing the investigative process um, when they just simply don't like the messaging that's coming from a supervisor. So it's incumbent on all of you who are listening to this podcast to work in HR and employee relations to really um, maybe focus on this, do a lunch and learn with your team and really focus on this issue to be able to separate bullying from harassment under your policy, be able to understand your code of conduct and ethics and understand what is performance feedback and performance management, and then what would actually rise to the level of it being bullying, right? So that's my advice to you. Now, the other thing that's important is certainly asking the right questions. And what you want to do is really focus on the complaint intake. You've got to ask, of course, the open-ended questions, who, what, where, when, why, how, and that's kind of investigations 101. And what you're doing is getting dates, times, and details that may support certainly the allegations that are being made of the bullying. But what happens sometimes when you do press a complainant to provide details and very specific dates and examples Sometimes you just don't get anything substantive. And then um, I've certainly had numerous times in many, many cases over the years, the, the frustration, well, well I, just, I just can't give you a specific example. Um, 
And then they get kind of huffy and then they really pivot to more of an emotional sort of thing. You just don't understand. You don't work with her every day and you just don't, you just don't know what it's like. And she doesn't like me. And you see, and you'll get this very excitable um, kind of increasing the tempo of their speech and, and their voice may go up a little bit and you're going to sense that defensiveness. And what it is, you're, you're getting that defensiveness because you're asking questions that they can't provide the answers to and it frustrates them. Right. So be on the lookout for that. And also when you've had somebody really present, you know, very firm language like harassment or firm language of bullying, but then you're really asking for specific details and they're having a hard time backing that up. You want to really ask a question like this. Can you give me some examples of how you feel your supervisor has violated our organization's policy and have a copy of that handy and speak to that? And I also like to ask people, what is your knowledge of our organization's code of conduct or your bullying policy. What you'll find is a lot of times they really don't even understand the policy, right? So they're just using these words, but they really are not correlating it to specific language that's in your policy. The other thing you wanna do when you are asking at complaint intake, ask who else may have been present about this time, not who was actually present to witness the event, but who else may have been present and really narrow down the dates and the times, and you really, really want to press them on the chronology of events, especially if it was multiple events. The reason, in a recent case uh, I worked on, I was able to obtain security logs from a building management company, and they had entries documented in their security logs of shouting into some disruption uh, coming from a particular office space that was leased. And sure enough, it lined up with what the complainant had alleged, where a supervisor was engaging in such a level of bullying that uh, he was screaming at the top of his lungs uh, at this poor individual that was on the uh, receiving end of that. And uh, so having some other uh, evidence to really support her claims um, really was paramount to our investigation and we did substantiate. So the other thing that's important before we wrap up here is making sure also that your supervisors have an understanding of your bullying policy as well and your code of conduct. The reason is that it's very easy sometimes for supervisors to shift their tone of voice when working with an employee on their performance, especially if a supervisor has let it go for too long and now they're really backed into a corner and they must address it. Sometimes their tone of voice can become a little bit more forceful. And you know what? In some, in some cases, it is going to cross that line. What I recommend is, number one, train your supervisors on your policies, and you've got to train them on how to appropriately give feedback and have these crucial performance management discussions. Quite frankly, that's also a good wise course of action, maybe to have another witness present if it's where an aspect of disciplinary action is taking place. Always a good measure to have another member of management in the room uh, to serve as a witness. The other thing is, again, robust policies. Make sure that yours is specific in defining prohibited conduct. It should not be general, like bullying of any kind will not be tolerated here. That's way, way too general. It needs to get to that granular bulleted level, like I talked earlier in the podcast. And also, you've got to formulate interview questions around things like who else may have been around? What exactly did the subject say or do? How would you describe the volume of the perpetrator's voice at the time of this incident? How would you describe the rate of speech at the time of this incident or the tone of the perpetrator's voice? In other words, what you're doing is you're getting more specific at having the complainant really paint you the picture of exactly what went down. 
All right. So that wraps it up for me today with uh, our podcast episode on bullying. So I really hope that this has been uh, helpful to you. And I look forward to having you back in another one of our HR Investigations podcasts. Have a great one. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Investigations podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share the show with any colleagues who will benefit from our strategies and solutions. For free bonus resources, simply visit hr-investigations.com. And remember, if you'd like some help with improving your investigative skills, or if your organization is in need of an external investigator to help with the case, please get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.